Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. Well, we're in the book of Acts. So the last couple of weeks, we've begun our series. Uh, My Wednesday night crew almost pulled mutiny on me Wednesday night. They don't seem to like my study on Wednesday night. And, And I actually left there thinking, well, maybe I need to change. And then God said, no, sometimes we do have to go through the tough stuff. So buck it up, guys, read your stuff and show up Wednesday night, okay? Um, they don't like it because I'm not spoon feeding them with this one. Oh, <laughs> uh, but we're having a good time. If nothing else on Wednesday night, it's the fellowship that I so enjoy. Just the opportunity for us to sit around a table and share life together. And, you know, we've been talking, so the last couple of weeks, um, we've witnessed what we've talked about Peter stepping up with these big sermons and this incredible growth in the church. And as the numbers begin to grow, though, a new community is beginning to form. And I wanted to look today at some of the descriptions of what that is. Now, back in Acts chapter 2, I didn't speak on this as, as I was going by it. I've spoken on this before, but we have this one little section here that talks about how the believers form their community. Uh, Acts 2, 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now I've taught on those passages before. Verse 44, it says, All the believers met together. That is key because we are living in a society that thinks that, well, my faith is mine alone, right? Have you ever heard somebody say that? But this tells me in these passages that they were together as a community of believers. And when they come together and they start living life together, things begin to happen. You know, there's a church out in Oklahoma that is connected with Bethany First. And the way it was started, it actually started with just a food program, a food bank. And so the pastor, Pastor Hardy, he had sent someone from his church. He said, hey, can you go oversee this ministry over here on Two Lakes? And he said, yeah, I'll do that. So he went down and, and he began to run the food program. People coming daily and, um, and he began to notice some uh, people that were recurring that would come back often. And so he began to speak to him, Hey, would you do a Bible study if we just met once a week? Yeah. So they began this Bible study. And, uh, as, as it started out, it was just a, a few people and it began to grow to more and more showing up each week until finally this pastor went back and he said, uh, I think we have a problem down there. And he said, oh, he said, what's up? He said, I, 
I think I accidentally planted a church. (laughs) And it's a full-fledged church now. Ask Cody Spade how that happens. How those little accidents happen when we just begin to meet together. Things began to happen. So we've seen that now there are thousands of believers. The last couple of weeks we've talked about how thousands have come to believe in Jesus Christ. And these people are professing their faith and their loyalty to the name of Jesus now. The, you know, Jesus, the one, the government and the religious leaders put on the cross, remember? So that means it's probably not a real popular idea. But they are banding together as a community. And I wanted to look today a little deeper on what that looked like. Chapter 4, verse 32. All the believers were united in heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. I love the description here that the believers were united in heart and mind. Church, that's how we have to stay connected, in heart and in our mind. Now, it's important to remember that in the early beginnings, there was multiple backgrounds to the believers, was there not? I mean, you had Jews and you had Gentiles, you had different financial backgrounds. You had some who had come in from the Roman side of things. Do you see? All you have to do is look at the 12 disciples and you can see the diversity in the early church. And we're not a whole lot different, are we? Right? But what was uniting them together as a body of believers was the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. You know, as we watch that sponsorship video, we are united to people around the world because of the name of Jesus. I have a BFF, who I still don't know if he really likes me, who is in South Africa. (laughs) Ronald, he loves me. But we're united. Why? Because of the name of Jesus. I've made a new friend from Ukraine. Why? Because of the name of Jesus. United in hearts and minds. They were united in this name of Jesus. Jesus the Nazarene who had been crucified, who had been resurrected. He's now ascended and he's left the Holy Spirit in all believers. But it was more than just, we believe the same thing. It was more than, we attend the same church. They were making a statement by living life together. And maybe this is because their families possibly disowned them. Do you know how lucky we are in the U.S.? 
Because very few of us really get kicked out of our family for believing in Christ. Now, maybe we get made fun of. Maybe we're the Bible thumper of the family. But in some world areas, you literally get kicked out of your family for being a Christian. In Cuba, if you become a pastor, the government totally disowns you. You can no longer receive funds from the government. They tell them, let your church take care of you. See, we don't, we don't understand these kind of hardships. But I feel like the early church probably understood these things. But they were coming together to love on each other. Verse 34 said there was no one needy among them. Now, that doesn't mean there wasn't people in poverty. It doesn't mean there wasn't people outside the church that didn't need something. But as a family of God, they took care of one another. And maybe that's why it's so important for us to have a community. You know, I, I struggle with my own kids out there wanting them to sink into a church. And it's not because I think they have to serve, but I know they'll be surrounded by a family. I know that when they're in need and mama can't be there, I'm struggling with my, my boy this week because he's, he's fixing to be homeless. He's in between home situations. His housing is running out where he's at currently, and this week is move-out day, and he don't have the next move-in, okay? And, and what's frustrating me is I can't really be there. This weekend, I was like, son, I can't be there. I was like, just go rent a storage space and you can put things in there until we figure this out, you know, kind of deal. And his issue is, it's not that he can't find a location, but he's not wanting to sign a lease anywhere yet until he knows where his final job lands him because he's looking at some different, different areas outside of OKC. And so, you know, I'm like, son, this is why I've been telling you to sink into it church somewhere <laughs> because you need a family around you you need a family around you and that's what i see the early church doing no one was needy why because they were bringing the money they would sell things and bring the money to the apostles now i'm not talking about tithing that's not what this is about today i'm not talking about that this was just the generosity in their hearts to take care of one another they had something they could give up, and they would go present the money to the apostles to use. This is why you need community. Nobody loves you like your community loves you. And we know that. We see that in this. Kathy, you, Seth was a recipient of that this week. When, when we have benefits in this town, the, the Christians will come in, and the churches will come in, and we take care of people. We do. We live in a great. Now listen, you need community. And I know you think, well, BJ, you're talking to the, the choir here. Well, no, not necessarily. Because sometimes we forget our need for community. And there may be people watching this message that are not here inside our community that need to hear this. Because I hear a lot of people say, well, I have my personal faith. I believe in God. Well, so what? The devil believes in God. Just so y'all are clear on that, that don't get you nowhere. Jesus says the only way to the Father is through Jesus Christ. 
Well, I believe in, I believe in Jesus. I don't need church. You're wrong because the Bible says you do. Christ died for the church. <laughs> you need community. Yes, your faith starts with a personal decision. Your decision to accept Christ has nothing to do with anybody sitting around you, has nothing to do with grandma's history, has nothing to do with a hundred and some odd years of history in this building and whose who's grandma and grandpa attended here. has nothing to do with that. You alone have to make a decision for Jesus Christ. But once you do, you're in the family. So take a look around at the person sitting next to you because we're becoming family. You think your blood kin is crazy, right? But you know, that's what I love. Because sometimes the family is God is all we have. Hmm. And that's okay. That's okay. I love that it brought up Barnabas here. Luke gives us an example. Now, this is a, a classic style of writing, Greek history writing, where uh, they like to use examples. And so what Luke did there in chapter 4, he's like, okay, so this is what the believers are all doing. They, I'm seeing them come together. They're, you know, they're meeting. We saw in chapter 2, they're meeting every day. Did you notice it said they're still going to the temple every day, the Jewish temple? Why? Because Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, Right? So that was still church for now until they finally get kicked out of there for believing in Jesus. But Luke gives an example of what it looked like, and this is the first view we see of Barnabas. His name is Joseph. They give him a nickname. That was a common practice because there may be 20 Josephs in town, and so we got to separate them a little bit, right? Y'all understand how that works when you got people in your family that's, you know, little Paul and big Paul and, you know, whatever. So they, they nicknamed him Barnabas, son of encouragement. And I love that if you pay attention as we go through, and we may not hit every section he's in, but when you read through the book of Acts, you're going to see Barnabas woven in in different places. And in fact, the next place you'll find him will be Acts chapter 9, when Saul has his big conversion. You remember Saul. Saul was the one who was out there hunting down the Christians right, to bring them into prison, basically bringing them to their death. And he met Jesus on the Damascus Road. Now the problem that Saul or Paul, whichever one you want to call him, problem he had was believers didn't trust him. Would you? No. Because he's been hunting down our families and, and turning us in and, and leading to death. No, I ain't going to invite him into my home. So the believers didn't really care for him. But the non-believers don't like him anymore either because they don't like that he's talking about this Jesus fella all of a sudden. And so Barnabas shows up. He says, hey, I'll be your buddy. He said, I'm going to take you and I'm going to introduce you to the apostles. So Barnabas is the one that introduces Paul to the apostles, so that they can confirm, okay, he really is who he says he is. It's all good. We can trust him. He's turned over a new leaf. So that's the importance of Barnabas. Now, the thing with Luke's writing, because, you know, we could stop there and, and, and we could feel really good today, but the thing is, he will usually give you a good example and then the bad example, <laughs> You know, this is how you do it, not this way, right? 
So he tells us about Barnabas and how, how generous he is, that he had this field and he, he sold it and he brought the money into the apostles. But then chapter 5 starts with my favorite word, but, ah, uh, here we go. But there's this, per, this couple named Ananias and Sapphira. So Barnabas is the, the good example. Now we got Ananias and Sapphira. Chapter uh, 5, verse 1. But there was a certain man named Ananias who, with his wife Sapphira, sold some property. So see, just like Barnabas, they go and they sold, sold the backfield. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell, as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. So how could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but you were lying to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. And about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what happened. Peter asked her, was this the price you and your husband received for your land? Yes, she replied, that was the price. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door, and they'll carry you out too. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out, buried her beside her husband. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. So they sell their property, and we don't know why. Like, did they know someone who was in need? Because you got to understand, this was not like some kind of doctrine that said they had to do this. All right, this this was not like the the Jewish law that told you how how much to bring and when to bring it. This, no, this was pure generosity that people are showing, and that's what Peter stresses. Like nobody told you you had to sell it, so so why why are you making such a big deal out of this? So, you know, was they just trying to help somebody? Maybe they, they knew of a family that might need this, so here to the apostles, take the money. Or were they maybe looking to, well, that Barnabas, he sold his piece of land, so I'm going to be like him because, you know, everybody's making a big deal how great he is, right? We don't know. We don't know. Whatever the reason, they sold it, and it says they gave some, but what was the problem? Claiming that was the full price. Now, I got to tell you guys, this was not the message I had this week. Like, when I started looking at going through Acts, I honestly skipped over this. I did not want to, to really hit this one. And um, not because I purposely, I mean, I just, as I was going through picking out each week's message, it just wasn't one that I thought I should do. And, and maybe because you guys are great givers. And when you first read this, it's like, ah, I don't want to, ah, Lord, we're in a recession. Do you know that? And like, we don't want to talk about money, right? They'll tune me out and they won't listen to me if I start talking about money. But he just wouldn't let me let this go. And, and the more I looked at it, 
he kind of checked me and he said, BJ, it's not about money. Do you hear me, church? It's not even about the money. It's about their hearts and their minds. It's about lying is what it's about. And I was like, okay, Lord, we'll revisit this. And who did Peter say they're lying to? The Holy Spirit. And then I began to question. I was like, well, God, is that even possible? How do you lie to the Holy Spirit? Because think about that for a minute. Because we see where Jesus, in the Gospels, he knew what people were thinking. Did he not? And the Holy Spirit is the same way. He lives inside each and every one of us sitting here today that claim to be believers in Christ. So he knows our hearts and minds. So how do you lie to somebody that knows? It's like trying to lie to your mama, and somehow mamas always know, don't we? And we'll never tell our tricks of how we know these things. And that got me to thinking about Peter. Like, he knew the price already, right? And I don't want to put too much miraculous feel on this. And I think this is why I skipped this. Because, you know, the last two messages I've had, man, they've been grand and the Holy Spirit came and he moved and people came to Christ. We had a beautiful service last week. Amen. And this feels like a sort of blah, 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 blah. Right? But guess what? That's part of life. We don't live on mountaintops full of big miracles. We have miracles in our life. Big miracles, I mean. When, I say, when I'm saying miracles, I'm talking about like the big thing. But can we be honest that six days out of the week, we go through the blah, 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 blah of life? <laughs> and I think that God really wanted me to slow it down and say, wait. It's not just learning how to pray the fire come down. It's about how to just live life. Because 90% of your life is through the mundane things. Right? And that's what we're seeing here. Luke is giving us this small little, because it almost even feels like it's out of place where it is. Right? But we're seeing this little snippet. But again, it wasn't about the money. You got to hear me. Because Peter said, Ananias, it was yours to do with whatever. You know, I believe sometimes there are decisions in our lives that God really doesn't have a yes or a no on. It's an opportunity and he says, choose. I really believe that sometimes. Sometimes when we are struggling, God, I can't hear from you. I think sometimes it's because he says, just make a choice. Right? So it was their choice, and it was not about the money. Then why are we talking about it? Why does it matter if it's not about the money? Because remember those Ten Commandments, thou shalt not lie. And I think what we're looking at today is the reality of what church even looked like back then. Because Ananias and Sapphira, they were trying to be something they wasn't. See, that was the problem. They were trying to make it appear how big and gracious they was, but they were not honest about it. Have you ever heard that saying, keeping up with the Joneses? Yeah, we have that problem, don't we? Well, this is keeping up with the Barnabases, all right? 
Maybe, maybe that's what they were trying to do. I don't know. There's a lot of ifs and whats on this that doesn't make a lot of sense. But I, I think what God wants us to hear is how we live our life matters. Like I even, I've always read this and it, it kind of, I think one reason I don't like preaching on this is because we look at it and we're like, wow, Ananias dropped dead. And Sapphira dropped dead. Like that's pretty, like, whew. Who wants to serve that kind of God? But honestly, go back and look. It really doesn't say that God killed them, right? Maybe the stress. Have you ever known somebody that stress killed them? Have you ever known somebody that fear and stress and anxiety can drop them dead? Have you ever told a lie so big that you didn't want to stand in front of the person you're lying to? Man, that's a lot of weight to carry, isn't it? So it really wasn't. It was about how they were acting. And lies always trip us up because poor Sapphira, when she shows up, she doesn't know what's already taken place. And that's the problem when we start lying about stuff is then we got to carry the next lie and we got to keep it up, right? And we got to, then we also got to keep up. She, she didn't keep up with Ananias' side of the story. She don't know it's already been found out. And then I began to wonder, how does Peter even know, by the way? And then I thought, same way we do. Everybody knows everybody's business around here. Somebody sells a piece of land. Within two days, we all know how much it sold for, who bought it, and who's coming, who's going, where they're going. And amen, come on. That prayer chain can work pretty fast. So really, it's not uncommon that I think Peter would have known about this. And so that's how he probably knew, man, Ananias, I already know what you sold it for, dude. And I know it's hard to hear when I say it's not about the money because that's the example it's using, but it's not. We don't know the reason for them not giving at all. You know what? Maybe they had justification. Maybe they were having a hard time and and we just need to keep this little nest egg. Then just be honest about that. Be honest about it. But we do know there was a preconceived plan because it said that with his wife's full consent. So this kind of gives me an image of Adam and Eve back in the day, right? Like they want to blame each other, but it was full consent. And the problem with the lying is it just doesn't stop. And Luke was clear. The early church, I think this is why this is here. Because up to this point, man, I get excited about the early church. I love to go back to chapter 2 and I love to always uh, reread that because it keeps me focused on what church is supposed to be like. It's supposed to be simple and it's supposed to be good. But Luke gives us this little story. Oh, Barnabas, it would have been great to just stop with Barnabas. He was so good. He was so generous. But then he had to give us Ananias and Sapphira. Why? Because the church wasn't perfect. Do you hear me, church? Because right now we're struggling with a generation that is leaving the church, is turning against the church because of all the hurt. And there's real hurt out there. I don't don't doubt that. But church has never been perfect. And it will never be perfect. 
That's why I've always stressed to anyone that will listen, you go where God calls you to go. Not where you think you're getting the best benefits or the best message. You go where God calls you because then you become an active part of that community of believers. And that's an important thing. Luke was clear that church was not perfect. And I I guess I wonder, what do we lie about today? What do you and I lie about? Ouch. Y'all knew I had to get somewhere on your toes. But even me, I mean, like, what a... Do we still lie about money? Yeah, we do. We tell people we tithe when we don't, because tithing is 10%, by the way. (laughs) But here's the deal. Nobody's holding you to the fire with that. That's you wanting someone to think more of your giving practices. If all you got is a dollar to drop in, drop it proudly. Just like the widow that dropped the last coin. And Jesus said her giving was better than the one that tithed the full gift. Give cheerfully, not begrudgingly. Because everything you own, it's not even yours. And that's what the early church knew. They knew everything that they had was God's. And the moment you take ownership of it, it becomes an idol. What else do we lie about, though? Because, again, it's not the money. You guys are great. We tithe great in this church. We give generously when we have something come up. What else do we lie about? We lie about our time. Well, I don't have time. Yes, you do. You do. Because you make time for the things you want to do. You make time for the things that are important in your life. So when you say, well, I don't have time to do a a devotion. No, it's just not important for you to do the devotion. I don't have time on Wednesday night. (laughs) How many of you had time to go to that rodeo this weekend? Nope, don't raise a hand. Don't worry, I saw y'all on Facebook anyway. It looked like y'all had a lot of fun. I just didn't want to sit in that heat. I tell you, I really didn't. I tried to stay home this weekend. I did, I did. And then my daughter says, oh, mom, you got to go check the mail because biscuits, food is in the mail and you have to put it in the freezer. And I was like, are you serious? You are messing up my Saturday. I had to drive all the way out to town to get stinking squirrel food out of the post office. (laughs) And church, I'm, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty here. I'm not. I'm telling you the honest truth. We make time for the things that are important to us, including God, including God, including his family, right? Holiness. Do we, do we lie about holiness and sanctification when, when we, we would rather say, well, BJ's going to hit that again and she thinks I need to do that? No, I'm just giving you the word. I, I really try hard every week to just lay out God's word to you and I'm going to let the Holy Spirit be the one that convicts you. So if you, if you leave here disturbed about something, I want you to own it for what it is. The Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. Because see, uh, we, we want to say, well, the church just wants to make us feel guilty and do this and that. Truth is, you like your life the way it is with just a little bit of Jesus on the side. 
instead of Jesus owning everything about your life. That's a hard message. Man, I begged God not to make me preach this today. I promise you I did. I had a much better feel-good sermon, I thought. But see, I'm reminded in verse 11, great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. God was serious about how he wanted his church to live their life. And he's still serious today. You know, sometimes people, when we start talking about giving up this or giving up that or, or adding this in, well, PJ, that's how they used to do it. No, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he used to talk to his people, remember when the Israelites would kind of go AWOL on him and they'd get in trouble and then he would say, you have to repent, you have to come back, and you have to clean up your act a little bit. Get the idols out of your life. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still wants that in his church today. Why? Because it matters how we live our life. It matters how we live. It matters within the body of believers. And when people know you're not telling the truth about something, it hurts your witness. Now you can spin it and maybe you even believe your own lies. You've been telling it so long but it'll hurt your witness. It hurts the witness of the church, Big C, when people out there watch how we live our lives. So important how we live our lives. And the crazy thing is, Ananias and Sapphira, they just got tempted in a way that led them astray. And I think we have a lot of that today because we have a lot of empty seats today. And there's people that get tempted to just (sighs) believe that lie. I don't have to be there. I can just tune in online when I want to, right? And I love technology. I will always love technology. I love the, we do connect. There are people even in this community connected to us online But if you're body able, you need to be meeting with a congregation and a family and a community. And you just need to open your heart and your mind and say, God, I'm sorry. So, you know, maybe this message today, maybe it touched somebody of just something, you know, that I need to own this. I need to be honest about this. Maybe it's giving. Maybe it's my time, my schedule. Maybe it's holiness, whatever that you've been making excuses for. I really wish we could have got Ananias and Sapphira's side of the story because I bet there were some excuses, right? I bet there were reasons, right? But all they needed to do was be honest. Be honest. Uh, Be honest to somebody, whether it's me or somebody else that's accountable with you of just saying, you know what? My marriage is hurting, My finances, man, we're sinking. Just be honest with people. And expose the darkness. Because that's when Jesus can come in and start healing things. We get in trouble, though, when we try to just keep covering it and keep looking like the perfect Christian every Sunday morning. 
coming in with a smile. I didn't come in with a smile today, by the way. I'm not feeling well today. My my blood pressure is a little wonky this weekend, and, and I just don't feel good. Let's be honest with each other. When someone says, how you doing, say, do you really want to know? Because <laughs> honestly, the other person needs to be honest that when I ask that, I really don't want to know. I'm just being nice. <laughs> but you need to find somebody to be honest with. Stand with me this morning, church. Church is not perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But thank God for Jesus Christ who was. And thank God for a Holy Spirit that lives inside of each one of us that every day I know I can become more and more like God and the person he wants me to be. Because there's not a single one of you in this room with me today that we've arrived at our final destination. We are always being worked on. And you know what? I know a lot of your stories, and I'm so proud of you. Because I know a lot of you where you came from and where you're headed. But I know some of you are struggling. And I want you to be honest with that this morning. Maybe it's, Jason, go ahead and start our song. Maybe it's you need to drop an Ebenezer stone this morning to remember a moment that God has done for you already. Maybe you need altar times this morning. God, I just want to lay it out and be honest before you. Because he already knows. He already knows. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today. God, that's the messages that make us not feel the greatest. (laughs) But it also reminds me who you are, a sovereign Lord that knows all. And God, you want us to come together in a community and live together. But God, we've got to be honest with you and all. It's not about appearances. It's not about being like somebody else. It's about being who you call us to be. So, Father, maybe there are things in this room people need to turn over to you and be honest because you already know. But you still desire for us to be honest with you because that is when we open our life for change. And I pray now for the Holy Spirit to do his work. I I don't know what the words were out of my mouth this morning. So I'm praying that the Holy Spirit is delivering his message. And may these scriptures go with us throughout the week to remind us of the Barnabas side of the story. Of being generous. Of looking for ways to bless others around us when we know we have been blessed. Maybe that is through child sponsorship, a blessing a family around the world. Maybe that's blessing a family here in this town this week with just stopping by with some extra groceries. Maybe that's stopping to sign up at the the foyer out there that says, this is my community and I want to live life with them. Lord, we love you this morning. And I thank you that you remind us what the day-to-day life is is to be like. And I pray as we leave this place, may people know we've been in your presence, even in the heart of it. May they know we've been in your presence and may we leave here changed because of who you are. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Church family, go have a blessed, beautiful day and be a blessing to others. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.